whenever tragedy strikes or ever, whenever there's any kind of hurricane or tornado or violence, how many know that all of a sudden everybody becomes believers in something? Right? Have you ever known somebody who says they don't believe in God and then all of a sudden tragedy strikes and then they say, hey, let's pray? Isn't that interesting? That, that the unbelievers become believers real quick because it's called a cry for help. Now, I think about when people say, um, our thoughts and prayers are with the family. Our thoughts and prayers are with Houston. Our thoughts and prayers are with whatever. And, but those words are great. And, and it doesn't, I, I believe they're thinking about it. But when they say the prayer part, it just sounds good. Right? How many are with me so far? Take the prayer part away that everybody says because it sounds good and then just say, my thoughts are with you. Does thoughts help the situation? Right? It's good to think. It's good to, to, to have them in your thoughts. But thoughts don't get water down there. Thoughts don't get food down there. Thoughts don't get things changed. Prayer does. And action does. Amen? But before action happens, prayer happens, and we begin to go to God, and we begin to say, Lord, we need you to move in this situation. Amen? And on that note, by the way, uh, if you haven't brought anything yet and you'd still like to be a part of it, we still are receiving uh, anything uh, that's on a list that you can ask me for. We have lots of stuff already over there, thank God, that will be going tomorrow. And uh, we're just blessed to be able to do our part in the way we can to try to help. Um, but I just began to think about this. And I want you, to, if you're taking notes, to write this down. This really began to, uh, I don't know if I heard this or if it popped in me in my spirit or what, but either way, it's good. Is your prayer life your steering wheel or your spare tire? Think about that this morning. Is your prayer life, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? You think about that, they're, they're both important. But the steering wheel is necessary all the time, at every moment. And you might be able to be, good, be a good driver. You know, I've been driving for about uh, 27 years or so, I think, 28 years, legally. Amen? And uh, I, I, I can drive pretty good, and, and I'm tempted many times. I'm thankful for this new texting thing, by the way. I really am. I'm thankful that they're going to be... Uh, patrolling that and trying to keep people at least conscious about it. How many have been driving down the road and looked over at a second to a person who is, is not only not looking at the road, they're drinking coffee and texting or reading something, and you're wondering how in the world are they steering? Amen. And it's scary, right? And all of us are busy and all of us are tempted. I like that one billboard that says it's better to get unread than be dead. Amen. So I'm saying that because you can be a good driver and you can kind of get to where you could steer with a, with a knee or steer with one hand. And we know the most safest way is the 10 and the 2 position, amen, which we teach our, our teenagers and my daughters especially. Hey, get both your hands on the wheel. But you got to have your hands on the steering wheel all the time to drive a car and to be able to control it. That spare tire is there, but it doesn't get used much. And when does it get used? In an emergency. When it's needed. When all of a sudden, uh, the one we have don't work. And then we go, oh, man, I got to, man, now I got to get out and get. And then here's the worst part. Maybe you bought a used car. Doesn't happen much on new cars, but maybe you bought a used car. And uh, you, you have a, 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 a breakdown and your tire busts. And you go, like I did on, on the truck I bought last year. And you go to get your spare tire. 
and there is no spare tire. And you want to go change that spare tire that's not there. Or you have a spare tire, but you don't have a jack. Or you don't have the thing to change the lug nuts or whatever. Amen. But the thing I want you to think about is how important is prayer in our lives. And I want to read uh, a, such a powerful verse that many of you heard this morning. But I want you to really concentrate on it this morning. I want you to understand how important prayer is. And, and we need to get to the place. My goal this morning is by the time this message is over, we're thinking, man, I, I need to pray as much as I breathe. That just as important that, that, that prayer and talking to God would be like me breathing, that would become second nature. Because there is a verse that I wasn't going to say this morning. I mentioned it's 1 Thessalonians 5. It says pray without ceasing. So that Bible actually says that we should be in a constant attitude of prayer. Amen. But let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Give me an amen if you're there. This has always been one of my favorite verses and one of my greatest challenges to myself. Because I know how important it is to be a person of prayer. It says, if, now, if, you're, if you've got your Bible there, underline that or highlight that, because God's a God of ifs. Not because he doesn't have the power to do anything, but because, and this is kind of exciting for me to think about this, God chose when he made this world to use us. Isn't that amazing to think this morning that, that when a disaster happens like happened in Houston, he says, you know what, I could fix this. And we talked about that Wednesday night. God didn't do that. It's part of nature. It's part of creation. It's something that happens with all the things that are going in. It doesn't mean that God can't use a disaster or that God can't judge with disaster. But I'm not going to stand here and say he did that. I'm just saying those things happen. And then when it happens... He sits back and says, now, what are my people going to do? And, 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 the, and the first thing that should happen for us is, is, along with everything else, hey, how can I help? What can I do? What, you know, where can I give to? How can I do a little bit of my part? The most important thing we can do is pray. And, and we kind of talked about this last week. I mentioned it at one point. When someone ever asks you, hey, will you pray with me about something? I want to challenge you to do something starting now. When they ask you to do that, pray right then. Don't say, okay, I'm going to pray with you or I'll pray with you later. Because if you're like me, you're going to forget. And, and it's, a, it's a need at that moment. And, and, you know, we're so blessed here in this church. We have about 30 people that I consider very, very, that I, don't, I don't know their prayer life. I'm not there all the time. But I consider people that pray. And whenever we have a need, I send out a text to 30 different people. And I believe that when they get that text, they stop. Whatever they're doing, it, obviously, if they can, and, they, and if, they, if they don't stop at that moment, they stop at the next moment that they can, and they actually pray for that. Isn't it exciting to know that when you send me a text, I send it to 30 people who are going to pray at that moment and just stop everything and go to God and say, Lord, we need, we need something to happen. Let me see your hand this morning. If you know without a doubt at some moment in your life, prayer has saved your life. Prayer has protected you from something. Prayer has kept you from something. Amen. So I think we're all in agreement that prayer is important. But it needs to be the steering wheel and not the spare tire. We need to become a people that go to prayer as an everyday, every moment thing and not a thing. Well, now, now let's pray. Hey, well, you know, hey, something, this is really bad. This is getting really bad, man. I, I, don't, don't be driven to your knees by God. 
Go to your knees on your own, amen? Get in prayer on your own, and then while that situation is happening, already be in prayer when it happens and say, okay, Lord, now that we're here, let's talk about this. That, that's what God's wanting us to do, is to have it as an all-time, at every-time thing. So watch this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray. Now, I want to throw this in real quick. I know, I know it's going to take, might seem like it's going to take forever to read this verse, but I'll get there. I want to throw this in. Here, here's the only wrong prayer you can possibly do. Don't. Not praying is the only way you can pray wrong. There's no right or wrong way to pray. Because why? Because it's not something, now a lot of us may have grown up in, 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 a, in, a, in a belief system where we're taught a certain way to pray, and there's nothing wrong with a model prayer. Jesus gave us a model prayer. But he never intended in that same uh, area of the Gospels, he says, don't pray with vain repetitions. Meaning that he, we get a model and we don't make that model. I, I've said many times when I played basketball in Costa Rica before our games, before they asked me to pray, I thank God for that, they would say the, the, the Lord's Prayer. And it was like, real fast and real, real, real recited, and many of you know how that is. And it, it's great that they're praying, but does God really, really get excited about that when they just throw out that memorized thing? What excites God is not the words that you say, but how you say it and where those words come from. That's what really matters to God. The only wrong way is to not do it or to do it just to do it. But when you do it from your heart, that's the cool thing. We do speeches in school. We, we try to present ourselves in a certain way. We talk. Some of you would just, would just die if we asked you to stand up here in front of people. Amen. And, and to, to speak. It's very difficult. And we, we, we try to say, man, help me say the right words. Help me say the right things. But with God, you can't say the wrong things. If you just talk to him, that's all he needs. He, and you know what I've learned as time has gone on? I, I know that when I first got saved, I, I wanted to make sure I sounded good when I prayed. Amen. I wanted to make sure I sounded authoritative. And I wanted to make sure that I was impressing God. And I finally realized I can't impress God. How can you impress God? Not, not with my words. But I began to realize if I would just talk to God like I talked to a friend. Like I talked to my mom and dad, like I talked to my wife. If I would just talk to God from my heart, he would receive that so much better. So that's, that's how we pray, by the way, in case you're thinking, well, do I have it right? The only wrong way is to not pray. So he says, if my people who will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, here's a promise, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Amen. Now, this is something that goes without saying. We can't just pray, but we also can't just act. We have to act and pray. We have to pray and act. And when you're praying, action comes out of that because you're in action right there. Amen. And when you're doing something, you'll, you'll know, I need to pray about this. And so they go hand in hand. But here's the cool thing in this promise. Let's look on to the next verse. Here, here's what God says. If you'll humble yourself, seek, myself and seek, my, seek me and pray. He says, my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. What place? What place? Just the church? No, church is a great place to play, pray. What place? Your car? Not just your car. What place? Your, your living room? Yeah, not just your living room. Where? Anywhere. 
Whatever place you stop. It, how many get blessed nowadays when you're in a restaurant? Hopefully you do too. But when you're in a restaurant, I get blessed when I see other people praying for their food. It blesses me. It, and, 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 and one thing that I, I'm kind of like this is I think we should pray for our food. I don't think we should have a prayer meeting in that place. I don't think we should, you know, pray in such a way that, 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 that they're still like, man, the food's going to get cold. You know? I, and if you do that, that's fine. I know my grandpa, God bless him, when he used to pray, he used to pray for the farmers. He used to pray for the food and the farmers. He used to pray. I mean, by the time he got done, it was cold. We need to pray for some heat on the food. Amen. But what I'm saying is it, it blesses you when you see somebody praying in a place that's not a prayer place. Doesn't it bless you if you see those pictures of firemen or police officers or people praying? People, we know what's the most exciting is when you pray out of an ordinary place. And, and like I said, disaster and tragedy will cause you to pray. And it will bring the prayer life out of people who don't even know what prayer is. And all of a sudden, like I said, when disaster happens, all of a sudden we say, man, we need your thoughts and prayers. And, and like I said, thoughts don't fix anything, but prayers do. Prayers do something. And so he says, my ears will be attentive to prayers made in this place. And look at this, 16. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Father, I pray for every man, woman, teenager, and child that came this morning that you would just speak to them as you've spoken to me. Challenge us this morning. Challenge us to understand the power of prayer. Lord, that there's no wrong way to do it. The only wrong way is not to do it, Father. We pray that as we leave this morning, we'll be challenged to have a greater prayer life. Lord, we'll be challenged to seek your face more, to humble ourselves more and realize that prayer is, Lord, the gasoline, Lord, that moves the gospel, Father. It is what causes us to do the right thing this morning. And, and devil, you're defeated this morning. The blood of Jesus is against you. We pray this morning that none of your strategies, none of the powers of darkness could come against this church or the churches around the world, the body of Christ. And Lord, we do just pray this morning specifically for all the needs and all the things that are happening, that your name would be glorified through these situations that are tragedies and that you would turn them into triumph. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Many needs are here this morning. I want you to write this down quickly. Four things prayer does for us. Now there's many more. I just chose four could be probably hundreds, maybe thousands. Number one, when we pray, it gives us a, a greater passion for Jesus. Okay, a greater passion for Jesus. Because remember, we are praying in the name of Jesus. Okay, it's very important that we do that. Why? Because the Bible says to pray in the name of Jesus. So it gives us a passion. We know from scriptures that the Bible says that right now, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So we have the best person in the intercessory team. Amen? But what we're doing is we're agreeing together with Jesus. We're agreeing together with you for your need. And we're praying, Lord, I, I touch and agree right now with this person for this need. And Jesus, in your name. We declare that this is going to be done. Number two, praying gives you a passion for souls. I don't know of anybody in here that needs less passion for souls, but I know all of us need more passion for souls this morning. 
Meaning that we, as we talked about Wednesday night, are empathetic. That we're really touched and moved by every situation, not just the tragedy in Houston, but the things that happen right around us. And that we'd have a passion for people who are not saved. Amen. And so number three, it gives us a a Holy Spirit anger against unrighteousness. How many see that going on in the world? Unrighteousness, things that are not godly. When you're praying, your spirit will be bothered by things that are not right. And we need that. We need to be in prayer because you know what? That's what can happen if we're not in prayer, if we're not in communication with the Lord, if the Holy Spirit's not moving us, you know what? Things that are happening around us that are not right can begin to seem like they're okay can begin to be something that's not that big of a deal. And that's dangerous. God is still a holy God this morning. He's still a God who's looking for people who will set themselves apart and be different. Amen? And that when we're in prayer, our spirits are more open to the things that are wrong. And so it gives us an anger against the unrighteous things. This leads into number four. It helps us do right. Helps us do right. In a wrong world. I'm going to want to do the right thing all the time. I do. All the time. We might fail in that, but we should have a desire. And listen, if I'm praying, I'm going to have a much better chance to do the right thing. And you know what? That right thing isn't the big thing that everybody sees publicly. The right thing is many times the thing that nobody's seeing but God. The little things that we, we need to say, Lord, I want to do the right thing here. But you know what? Let me, let me just throw this out there and give you a newsflash. If you're not praying, you're not going to do the right thing. You know why? Because you're human and you're flesh. And this carnal flesh does not do the right thing. This carnal flesh does not want to do the right thing. If you don't believe that, listen to Paul's words. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I want to do, I do. don't want to do, I do. You know what he was saying by that? He was saying there's a physical battle of flesh and spirit every day. And and he said these words. He said, I beat my flesh into subjection. Now, I don't think Paul literally hit himself with fists. But what he did was he, he caused his body to say, listen, I'm not going to do what you want to do. I'm going to do what the spirit of God wants to do. And when, I, when my flesh wants to do wrong, there's another saying that I've heard for many years and I believe it. I can do bad all by myself. I only don't need any help to do bad. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Don't be, oh, well, I'm in church. I'm going to say the right thing. Say the right thing, but do the right thing. Think the right thing, but you're never going to do any of those things if you don't get honest with yourself and realize that we are carnal, wicked people without Jesus. And the, the more that I'm in, 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 in contact with this world, the more I need to be in contact with God. I need to make sure that I got my hands on the spiritual steering wheel and not waiting for an emergency. Have anybody ever had somebody, let me just get right into your living room for a second. Have you ever had somebody come to you and ask you for something? And then the next time you saw them several weeks or months later, they came and asked you for something. And then the next time they called you, it wasn't to see how you were or, hey, how's everything going? They asked you for something. And then the next time and on and on and on and on and on and on, you get to a place where you think this person only calls me or talks to me if they need something. Does that get on anybody's nerves? Does that get on anybody's nerves? Well, guess what? Welcome to God's world. 
Welcome to God's world. Because that's what we do all the time. If we're not in right relationship with God, we talk to him and we, oh God, I need this. And oh God, I need that. And oh God, would you touch this? And oh God, would you give me that? And oh, come on guys, be real. Amen. I want to be in that place with God. That, 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 that's, that's usually one of the last things I do is ask for something. Or if I do, I want to have talked to him for a while first. Come on. That you don't grab him as your spare tire. And God says, hey, Jesus. Hey, son, Holy Spirit. Hey, Blake's calling me right now, and he's not going to ask for anything. Hey, I don't want it to be a big deal. Like, do you remember the last time that he called and didn't ask for anything? And they were like, no, I don't. Do you? No, I don't. I don't want to be that person. Amen. Don't be that person. Be that person that when, when we ask for, now listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're not supposed to ask. We are. But be that person that when the phone rings, they're actually shocked. Wow, he, oh, they need something. Wait, hope, time out. Let's, let's, hey, get ready, angels. Hey, everybody get ready to move. Our son, our daughter, who we talk to all the time are in constant, com- are y'all here this morning? Y'all catching me on this, amen? How many parents love it when your kids call you, talk to you, sit down with you, and just want to hang out? not asking you for food, not asking you for anything, just want to sit down, just want to hang out. You know what happens? When, I, when my daughters do that, when they come in and hug me, love on me, give me uh, attention, and, and just say, how you doing? When they need something, I just have this desire inside of me to want to do something for them right away. Does that, does that make sense? So with my hands on the steering wheel in prayer, and I'm not just going to God for the spare tire, then God is going to be more willing to want to say, hey, you know, we've been talking a lot. Let's, 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 do, let's move in this situation. Let's, let's do something about this. Corey Tinboom, how many have ever heard that name? She was a great woman of prayer, and she was in those Holocaust camps, and she said, don't pray when you feel like it. Think about that. Don't pray when you feel like it, because guess what? Guess how often you're going to feel like praying? Not probably very much. But she says, don't pray when you feel like it. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If, if you're good at mental notes, then make this mental note. This is how you, your life's going to change this morning. Don't pray when you feel like it. Make an appointment with God to pray. Make an appointment. How many make appointments all week long to do different things? This is something I learned many, many years ago, and it's helped me so much. I've said, it, I've said it before, for anybody that doesn't know, I've mentioned it before. I've, I've, I've known ever since I got saved how important prayer was, how important it was to spend time with God. Amen? That, that, how, many, how many want to do something amazing for God, want God to use your life, want, want God to just do great things through you? It's going to take a prayer life. Okay, and, and this world and life and things are going to pull on you, pull on you, pull on you all the time. And you're going to have to make an appointment. And so I got to the place where I said, I cannot just just fit God and in prayer into my schedule anymore. Amen. I can't just do it sometimes. I need to make sure I make an appointment with God. The Bible says in Acts that Paul and Peter and John went into the prayer, into the temple at the hour of prayer. That means that there was a set time that they went. And so a long time ago, I started making the decision that I was going to get out of my house and drive someplace to pray. Now this doesn't, not everybody's the same. You might be able to have a Holy Ghost prayer meeting laying down in your bed. You might be able to do that. If you can do that, God bless you. Let me show you how long my Holy Ghost prayer meeting lasts in bed. About that long. Amen? 
Sometimes you're just so tired you can't get out of bed and, and you want to stay in bed and you start to pray. And guess what? All of a sudden you've got a prayer partner, but it's called, he's called Satan. He's rubbing the back of your head. Amen. He's, he's giving you see here lullabies all of a sudden instead of a partner in prayer. He wants to put you back to sleep. How many of you ever had trouble sleeping? Let me see your hand if you had trouble sleeping in here. Guess what the best thing you can do when you can't sleep is? Pray and read the Bible because the devil will put you to sleep. He'll, 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 he'll come and make sure you go back to sleep. Because guess what? When you're praying, you're doing something against the kingdoms of darkness. You are doing something. So Satan is going to get you in any way he can not to pray. He's going to get you in any way he can to be busy. So set a time, she said. And she said, a man or a woman is powerful on their knees. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. And, and I'm going to uh, move on in this, but I really want to show you something this morning. Dwayne mentioned at prayer, uh, just, just situations where you're facing battles, facing opposition. And, and, you know, when we're in prayer, this goes back to doing the right thing. When we're in prayer and have a prayer life, we're going to act the way Jesus wants us to act. Okay? How many have ever, how many have ever uh, so, seen how quickly you can get in the flesh? Right? But think about this. It takes longer to get in the flesh when you've been in prayer. One of the reasons that we're so such a stickler here about praying, and anybody that's in ministry knows this, is we have a prayer room, and we're really, uh, really, really push people and, and can't make people, but really push people to, to understand the importance of prayer. Our ushers, our praise team, myself, anybody who does any kind of ministry. And the reason is, is because when we go to minister, when we go to greet somebody or sing on the praise team or pray or do any of those things we want to be in the spirit because the flesh can be mean can somebody say amen but don't elbow nobody next to you the flesh can be mean and and you know when you're the most mean usually in the mañana Right In the morning when you haven't had your coffee yet and you get to church and you just got out of bed and you came here and all of a sudden you, people want to shake your hand and you need to shake people's hand and you need to be nice. Prayer softens that up. Prayer gets you to a place where if somebody gives you a dirty look or is mean to you, you can just blow it off and move on to the next person. Amen. Because you've been in prayer. Because you've been in the presence of God. And so we need to make sure that we understand that if we're doing right, there's going to be a real enemy coming against us. Now I want you to look and see what, what Jesus said. And he said something that's very difficult. And, and this is something we have to all do right. Okay, let's look at Matthew chapter 5. Give me an amen if you're there. Verse 43. I, I hate when Jesus does these kind of things because it makes us have to be like him. Amen. This is why it's not easy to be a believer and be a Christian. This is why not everybody can do it. Everybody can say they can do it, but not everybody can be like Jesus. Because look what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, watch this, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. For though, and watch this, and do what? 
and do what? Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Man, Jesus, we can't just get by with just ignoring them. We can't just get by with just moving on. We got to pray for them, the Bible says. And guess what? If we do it, it blesses us. Right? It's not easy, but it blesses us. And the, more, the quicker you realize how powerful that prayer is, the quicker you move on and, and live a blessed life, not full of anger. Because a lot of times we feel like, well, someone's been mean to me. I should be mean to them. Or someone said something about me. I should say something about them. And, oh, I'm going to get that last word in. Or, oh, I'm going to punch back. Right? That's what flesh does. Got to keep that flesh down through prayer. Amen? And how many have realized if you're doing something right, people are going to not like you? You can't be friends with everybody, but you have to love everybody, and you have to actually pray for the people who, who, who uh, come against you in any way. And so I can't do that. I can't pray for that person if I'm not praying all the time. Think about it. How are you going to pray for your enemy if you don't even pray for food? Right? you got to kind of like build yourself up to that. Amen? It's like, oh, I'm going to wake up this morning. I'm going to pray for all my enemies. No, you're not. You haven't even prayed for the day. Amen. you got to kind of, kind of work your way up to that. But w- the more you pray, it's like anything. How many know the more you do something, the better you get at it? The more you do something, the better you get at it. If you don't get anything out of this message, get this right here, what I'm about to say. Just this quote. Think about this. Have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it? Yes, 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 yes. This is for all of us, okay? Let's just, let's just let, let that marinate for a second. In my situation that I'm in right now, whether it's a, a bad, really big bill, it's a, a health issue, it's a problem with a kid, it's a problem with a family member, it's whatever it is, a job situation, some coworker, whatever it is, have I prayed about it as much as I've talked about it? Think about that. How would my life change if I prayed more and talked less? Right? Maybe you got a spouse that's not saved or a spouse that's just not on the same spiritual plane that you are. You've got a, a child you're praying for, a, a, a whatever it is, a co-worker. If, what would it begin to happen if you'd begin to talk to God about that coworker instead of talking to a coworker about that coworker? What could happen? Now you might not feel as good about yourself. You might not be as much fun. Come on, be real. It, it, if you got the wrong spirit, it could be kind of fun to sit there and just talk bad about somebody. But do you really want the situation to change? Well, it's not going to change by talking to the coworker about it. Matter of fact, it's probably going to make it worse. But if you begin to say, Lord, listen, I, I, I've, I asked you to forgive me for having that wrong attitude about that coworker. I'm going to stop talking to my coworkers about this coworker. I'm going to talk to you about it because my coworkers can't do anything to fix that person. I can't do anything to fix that person, but you can fix that person. And I'm going to begin to talk to you more about this situation and less to the person 
that I'm talking about and see what you can do. And guess what? God will do something. Psalms 107, 28 to 30 says this. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that waves are still. And then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. I'm going to read that again. They cry out, Psalms 107, 28 to 30. They cry out to who? To the Lord. That's taking it up. Amen? They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. And then they are glad because they are quiet, so he guides them to their desired haven. Why did those storms stop when they called and woke up Jesus? What, did, was it just because he woke up, or was it because he said, peace be still? He spoke to the situation, not to the people. He spoke to the waves. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to those things. Many times, church, we were too busy talking about the things instead of the situation itself. We're talking about the people instead of the sin and the anger that's in their lives. We don't understand sometimes. We're dealing with some people who have got things that maybe go back to their childhood. And they're dealing with things that are that they don't even know why they're dealing with them. And you're not going to defeat it by talking about that person. You're going to talk. You're going to defeat it by talking to the spirit of the enemy that's working in that coworker or that person that's around you or that child or that teenager or whatever it is. Speak to that. I want you to write this down. Prayer is a shield to your soul. A shield to your soul. It means it protects you. Okay. It is a sacrifice to God. And it is punishment for Satan. You want to punish Satan? Pray. You want, to, you want to get him off your back? Pray. You want to make him mad? Pray. That's how you do it. That's the way you do it. You, you do exactly what he doesn't want you to do. He wants us to be so busy and so caught up in things that we're too busy to pray, too caught up in things to pray. But when I pray and I speak to God about things, Satan gets mad. But guess what? He's powerless. He has no power against us. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? Now I want to close with this this morning. I want you to write this down. One man, one person, one woman, one person can make a difference. This is the neatest thing about prayer. It's awesome when we have a prayer meeting. We do that. We have prayer meetings. We have times we gather together and we pray as a church. There's times we send that text out and we pray corporately. We pray every service before, we pray during, we pray after. We pray a lot together. And, and that's awesome. But you know what? Sometimes it's hard to get a prayer meeting. Sometimes it's hard to get everybody together. But sometimes you need to realize I myself, I learned this from my pastor, am an army with God. Amen? I'm an army with God. I, by myself, am an army with God. God is just looking for one person to understand that that one person can make a difference. If you look back at history, and especially history of the church, you're going to find that prayer meetings were powerful. We know about the greatest prayer meeting in the New Testament was the day of Pentecost. 
When the Spirit of God fell, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all began to speak in tongues. They all walked out of that place with a power, and then they went and changed the world. But you know what the best and most powerful prayers have been over the history of the church? Has been individual people who have gotten on their knees and sought God, not because a prayer meeting was called, but because they personally realized, I can make a difference by myself. My prayer life alone, I might not get a pat on the back. I might not get sirens going off in heaven that I can hear. I might not get a phone call from Jesus to say, hey, good job, son. I might not get any of that, but listen, I'm making a difference. And I want you to know this morning that if Satan has been fighting your prayer life, it's because you're doing something right. Don't stop praying. Pray more. Amen. Don't stop going to the throne. Go to the throne more. One person can make a difference. Listen to what this verse is. James 5, 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of how many righteous men? A. A righteous man avails much. I can do something powerful that doesn't cost any money. Doesn't cost me anything physically. Just costs a sacrifice. A lot of people think, I, I can't, you know, what can I do? I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. Guess what? Everybody can be a prayer warrior. Everybody can make a difference on their knees this morning. Amen. Everybody can impact heaven in a way that, listen, heaven itself will tell. There are people in heaven right now that you and I have never heard of who are heroes. When we get to heaven and we begin to, to, to see things unfold, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. And we're in there in that great banquet and we're beginning to see the crowns given out. I'm not going to be surprised when names begin to be called I've never heard of at all. And, and if you'll listen this morning, you won't be shocked either. You'll be like, wow, I've never heard that name. But you won't be shocked because you're going to hear a whole lot of names of people who did damage to the kingdom of darkness. And nobody ever knew about it except God. It's, it's, it's supernatural. Supernatural prayer snipers. Amen? Snipers, taking them out, taking the enemy out, don't even know what hit them. What in the world, right? That's what a sniper is. That person who's trained with a trained eye to take people out. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but spiritually, we need to take the enemy out. I, I, want, the, I want to get hit, get hit and not know what hit him. And he might be like, who in the world was that? God might say that was so and so and he would say who in the world is that but he don't know but God knows God knows let me know that behind the scenes that's the stuff that that's done that nobody sees but God sees it you can be that person because so many people think man what can I do for God I can't sing, I can't speak in front of people, I can't do this, I can't do that. Everybody can pray. Everybody can pray. Amen?
I know over the years I'd be going places to preach. A lot of times it happens in Colorado Conference or if I go preach overseas, people come up to me and tell me, I pray for you. Listen to me. I'm not saying this just to say it. When somebody tells me that, that is better than them writing a check out for a million dollars to me. I, I shake their hand, I look in their eyes, and I thank them with a true, genuine thanksgiving. And I say thank you. Because for someone in another part of the world or another state to be thinking about me and praying about me is better than any money could ever do. Be, under, be understanding that your prayer life is so powerful and people might not see it, but it means something. For me personally, I, I covet prayers. Amen. I covet that people would, would lift up my name and say, I pray for him. I pray that you'd use him. I pray that you'd protect him. I pray that you'd keep him. I pray you'd help him to do that. That's a powerful thing. That's the greatest thing you can do for me. That's the greatest thing you can do for your kids. It's the greatest thing. I learned that from my father growing up, and it's something that's been ingrained in me, that he would pray every single day to plead the blood of Jesus over us. Every day, every morning, I plead the blood of Jesus over Kristen, over Destiny, over my wife, over you as a church. There's times and days, obviously, that I fail on mentioning everybody. But listen, you got to make sure you cover your kids, make sure you cover your family, and say, Lord, I cover them with the blood of Jesus this morning. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing, amen, that you can know that your prayers are doing something. You know, it's... There's another promise in Psalms 126. It says, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping is bearing seed for sowing. And it says, he shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his harvest with him. So what does that mean? Nothing happens without tears. Nothing happens without effort. Nothing good ever happens without a sacrifice. Father, this morning, we thank you for challenging us. There's no more important area in our lives to be challenged in this morning than in the area of prayer. None of us in here, Lord, none of us in here are even to the capacity of a prayer life that we could be fully because we'll never get there totally. We, we get better and better. We get more and more faith. Our faith continues to grow. It, it, it continues to expand. But Lord, we'll never be totally where we want to be because you want us to keep reaching. But God, in this place, in this place, there are some people here that we might not know are prayer warriors because they don't, they don't voice it out loud. They don't post it on Facebook. They don't tell everybody. But God, we've got some spiritual snipers in here that go to your throne and seek your face and pray. And they're, they're taking out the enemy. And a lot of times the reason we see victory is because they're doing stuff behind the scenes. They're not asking for a pat on the back. They're not asking for somebody to say, oh, good job. They're just doing it because they understand how powerful prayer is. Just think this morning as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just think about this. You might be thinking, does it really work? Does prayer really work? If you're asking that question, now answer it yourself. Think of some of the times you've prayed. 
and you've seen God move. And you know it was God. There's no way that could have happened if it wasn't God. Or, here's another one for you. Maybe you don't pray at all. Maybe you don't even believe in prayer, but right now the Holy Spirit would quicken you to show you that you're here because somebody does believe in prayer. How many times have every single one of us should have died? How many times should we have passed away? Have we, should we have been in an accident? Could we have done something so detrimental to our future, but the prayers of somebody saved us? Such a powerful force. So important. How many all over this place this morning before we, dis, we dismiss could say, Pastor, I, I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this. This is, this is something I'm understanding. It's, I'm realizing even now prayer does work. I've, I've sensed it, felt it, seen it in my life. But I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You're listening online. God's touching your heart. The prayers of this church right now are ministering to you wherever you are and you don't know Jesus. See, our prayers, as you're listening this morning, our prayers are just like our podcast. We don't know who they reach. People all over the world at any place online can listen to this message. We don't know how many people listen. We don't know where they listen at. That's how our prayers are. We don't see the, the, event, the, the effect all the time of our prayers, but they work. And right now, we can say, Jesus, I need you. I've tried so many other things. I've tried pulling out the spare tire every time. I'm tired of pulling out the spare tire. I want to I I have my hand on the steering wheel. I want to be able to be in such a, a, a relationship with you they don't have to go to the spare tire every time. How many would say, I don't know Jesus right now. Just lift your hand and put it back down. I want to pray for you this morning. That's me. All over this place. I'm not saved. I don't know Jesus. I'm not born again. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You're cold in your faith. You know the day you need to come back home to the, to the, to the call of God. He, you've known him at a younger age or a long time ago, and today you're not right. Your heart's not right. You, you don't even, prayer, what's prayer? I haven't talked to God for years, but today God's calling you back. How many would say, that's me. I'm ready to come home. Just put your hand up and put it down. That's me. God bless you. As we stand to our feet this morning, I want everybody here to say a prayer with me. I want to do this because I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to do it. Every service, I'm going to do a, a prayer of salvation with you, whether people come forward or not. Because someone could be listening online. Someone could be at that point right now where they're ready to receive Jesus, and they don't know how. So all of us this morning are going to say this prayer together with somebody that might be listening. It won't be right now because it's not live, but could be tomorrow, could be next week, could be next year. And we're gonna say this prayer and we're gonna make sure that in our hearts we believe, listen, we believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Just say this with me, Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning as a sinner in need of a savior. Your word tells me 
that all have fallen short by sin of the glory of God. And the wages of my sin is death. But Jesus, you have a gift called eternal life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, paid the price for my sins through your sacrifice. Your blood was shed for me to redeem me from my sin nature. And while I was a sinner, you died for me. Jesus, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And three days after you died, you conquered death, hell, and the grave by rising from the dead. I accept you into my life. I confess you as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I ask you to wash me clean in your blood and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. As your heads are bowed this morning, eyes are closed, as we begin to sing a song, there's things that we need to pray for today. I want, I want us to pray continually for Houston and that relief situation. But this morning, maybe a, a family member's heavy on your heart. Maybe a loved one, maybe a, a neighbor, maybe that coworker I was talking about. Maybe you've got some people that you need to pray for. Instead of talking about them, you can talk to the Lord about them. We're going to open up the altars this morning for those that want to find a place. You can find a place at your chair. You can uh, just seek the Lord where you are, but the altars are open as we sing this song. And let's, let's uh, take some time this morning to, to practice what we just talked about this morning.